1: This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. One thing you don't have to worry about cleaning up this spring season, your wireless bill. Just switch to Mint Mobile. It's easy. And right now they have unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com watch. That's mintmobile.com watch. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month for first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
2: This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, Get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. I need to have to clear the room. Stand up and walk
1: now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan. I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me on the other line, this podcaster has swagger. It's Andy Greenwald. It's
0: going to be a cool energy today because, again, you know, people didn't get this in their audio feeds, but our super producer, Kaya McMullen, just yada yada us. Like, we were doing some <laughs> early pre-pod bants, and maybe the clock was ticking, and all of a sudden, we heard, this Zoom's being recorded. It means it's time to go. <laughs> she said we well, were We ready. dragged
1: her on early because I, I have, like, morning coffee, like, afterburner like vibes right now. I'm, like, ready to rock. And I didn't want to wait for another hour or so until our scheduled recording time. So, Andy, it's so nice to see you again on a Thursday. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, the most anticipated shows, our most anticipated shows of 2022. Um, we'll talk about the episodes eight and nine of Station Eleven on Monday's show, because those just dropped uh, this morning. They're they're obviously, as we wind down on that season, very heavy. And we want to give them their due time and get, let people get a chance to to check them out over the weekend and stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I'm just still kind of hung up on this idea that maybe we should be trading and when like biometric I say
1: people. I mean, Andy.
0: <laughs> Listen, I am caught up on everything that I need to be caught up on. I, I I just meant maybe we need to like be trading our biometric info that the phones are tracking. So I'd be like, Chris is Chris is peaking right now. His testosterone levels are through the roof. Like, do this you ever would be feel our- that
1: way? Like, is there like a prime podcasting hour for you?
0: I'm always ready to go. You know me. I'm equally prepared at any hour, which is to say marginally. So
1: I like super early Mm -hmm. or I like super late. The middle of the day kills me. I like as you know, as as very avid listeners to this podcast Mm -hmm. might remember, I recorded a most anticipated TV of twenty twenty, I believe. Uh when I we found out that we had like an advertiser, like we needed to have an episode for an ad. And on Christmas Eve, I think I recorded a 35 minute solo podcast after drinking three beers and watching a Sixers game where I just like read a list of shows, half of which were only on in England and a quarter of which never came out. And I got 10 minutes into it and I was like, man, I've been talking for an hour. And it was definitely just like eight minutes into
0: it. It's so good. This 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 needs to go in the vault, like the Library of Congress. When we, when we donate our papers yeah, to the right. University of Montana at Yellowstone or whatever,
1: <laughs> I'm going like to donate the, mine to Temple. Yeah,
0: I think I think that's right. I think that's right. With, like, it's going to be John
1: Cheney's sweater, and then like my like the collected dats of all of my pods.
0: And I'm going to donate mine to Temple B'nai B'rith uh, in Wilkes-Barre, PA,
1: <laughs>
0: just, for, just for, you know, really, really steering my parents right, you know.
1: Making you the man that you are.
0: Yeah. Well, no, I became, I went through my man-to-boy ceremony in in, a, in, in scenic Gladwin, PA, but, you know, I, fig- I figured that's where they'll build the plaque, but the library, <laughs> build the plaque. <laughs> it's, a, it's a small press. Right. So- okay.
1: The way I wanted to start this conversation was uh, by asking you a little bit about your other gig, if that's okay. So we yeah. have a list of shows that we're going to go through, and I've divided them up into some convenient categories. And we're just going to kind of talk about which ones we're most looking forward to. Maybe we do some concern trolling as we do on this show. But I know that you and your other gig uh, as a as a writer and as a, as a mm. television maker um, often are... Among the, the pages and pages of like, here's what we have in development. Here's what we have on our books. Here's what yeah. we're working on. Here's all this stuff. Sometimes it's to take it to you and be like, do you have a take on this or whatever? But I guess when you, I was curious, like when you look at that like vast amount of intellectual property that these uh, streamers and networks are sitting on, do you have like a sense of like what the conversion rate is, you know, in terms it, of like it, what actually mi- winds up making it to screen?
0: It, it's a great question. First of all, I have to say I am very grateful and appreciative that you referred to me as a TV maker. I am constantly feeling like that is a fleeting title because I haven't made, I've made paper pages of scripts, but I haven't made actual television now in, in, in over two years. And I worry that it starts to feel like, like, for example, when Uncle Joe Biden had his colonoscopy and Kamala had the, had the chalice for like 90 minutes when sure. all is said and done, is it going to be like I was president? You know, like I made laws. <laughs> I'm not saying like her career is not over. Like it would be great if she became president one day. Like not during a colonoscopy. What I mean is, like, if you have one at bat in major in MLB, are you a sure. are you a major leaguer? I think yes. So yeah, I thank you. Also
1: you. Made a show. I, I yeah. witnessed you making decisions yeah, yeah, yeah. about like. Props and set design and costume design and acting choices and you... It it,
0: it just becomes more... You
1: you did a lot.
0: It just becomes very kind of uh, vague (laughs) as the the variants pile up. Um, So to your point, yeah, one of the more fascinating things actually about being in the not actively making but actively developing part of the TV Mm -hmm. writer business... Is TV the, Curious, yeah. The, is the, <laughs> so so curious. Should I get a colonoscopy too? Um, you take these meetings with networks and studios producers, and before the meetings as prep, um, the extremely helpful assistants um, of my agents send um, basically giant PDFs of, okay, you're meeting with Warner Brothers. Here's everything they have in development. And the first however many pages are the shows that are currently being made. And it's like season three staffing now, blah, blah, blah. Going to be filming in Atlanta again, whatever. And then you get into like pages 13 through 71. And it's everything that's in development. And mm-hmm. it is wild. And it is, I, I I'll start by answering your question directly. I think the conversion rate is incredibly small. Incredibly small. I mean, there are projects in, in development, Some actually in what seems like active development. I think the difference being sometimes titles are in there just because they're in the library. Like, it's an old movie, and it says um, OWA, Open Writing Assignment. So they're looking for people like me or whoever else they're meeting with to be like, oh, my God, yes, Cool Runnings was my favorite movie. What if um, the bobsled team also sold meth? You know, and they'd be like, (laughs) yes, whatever. I didn't get that gig. Kicking
1: bobsleds? Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's weird. That's kind of been my pitch to everything and um, (laughs) crickets. But um, yeah, you see things in there that are thrilling and would be incredible, but it's all so fragile. And Mm -hmm. generally without, you know, I think a lot of people remember in the 30 Rock pilot that Alec Baldwin's Jack Donaghy's character's uh, recipe is that Anything successful needs the third heat, whether it's the microwave that GE is making or adding Tracy Jordan to the girly show. I thought
1: show. you were referring to the, th- the third heat podcast that I did.
0: I hope you took advantage of that other cultural reference while making it. You should have had Jack Donaghy <laughs> repeatedly <laughs> saying the third heat, the third heat. <laughs> Kaya, maybe well, while we talk about shows that we haven't seen yet, maybe Kaya can edit that in. <laughs> The GE Trivection Oven cooks perfect food five times faster than a conventional oven because it uses three kinds of heat. Thermal technology for consistent temperature, GE Precise Air Convection technology for optimal air circulation, and microwave technology for incredible speed. With three kinds of heat, you can cook a turkey in 22 minutes. Ha! No, you kind of need the thing, the third heat to like get something off the ground, and often that is a whether it's a showrunner who has the, the juice at that moment or a big, big star casting a director or something to make it come together in a way like so many incredible things stall right at the finish line. And often if you don't make it to the, the finish line, you don't get announced and the finish line doesn't become the starting line of actually making the show. So hundreds, if not thousands of things are in active development right now. And of that, you know, we, I guess we get what, four hundred new shows a we, year. We but get hundreds, yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's amazing. We go back, if you go back and and Andy and I have been podcasting now for for ten years.
0: Ten years this if month, you, baby.
1: If you go back to our earliest days, um, which I've sort of like have tried to do by like looking at the oh. blog posts of early Hollywood prospectus. I, I bet we were really good Pods, at the beginning. I, right it was just like as if we had known each other forever. Uh but we you know, when we first started doing this podcast at least from my perspective, you were more of like, I'm a television critic, but like, man, if you were doing a 10 best of the year list, there might be like 13 good shows and you just had to shave off three of them. Do you know what I mean? And so I I think that like just the amount, when you look at like the lists, like I I refer to lists on the playlist and vulture and a bunch of other places to kind of put together the document that we're working from, there's a hundred shows of note coming out. And I would say over the last two or three years, especially when Andy and I get to the end of the year and we do our best ofs and we we talk to Sam, at least three shows on my list are shows that I didn't even know were coming out. You know, like I I didn't know It's a Sin was coming out this time in twenty twenty one. Do you know what I mean? Like, or I yes. guess it, maybe it is already coming out then. But I had no idea. Like that, there are shows still that kind of come out of nowhere, which is part of the real fun of doing this job is that you then find that this thing that you had sort of glanced at or had no idea about its existence becomes like one of your favorite shows of the year. The other thing yeah. that I thought I would just like bring up to you real quick. I mean, I don't know if you have any comment on that, but
0: no, I'm just, you know, thinking back to those glory days, like we had already been doing the podcast for two years, but like in 2014, my top 10 list uh, for uh-huh. the year, it just feels so relaxed. And one of the reasons yeah. it feels so relaxed is they're just a, there, there weren't nearly as many shows But also there weren't nearly as many shows that were designed to grab your attention, grab you by the lapels and matter, which is to say Mm -hmm. there weren't that many event shows or one and done shows or limited shows. In in my write-up of the top 10 shows of the year, I make a big deal talking about um, The Honorable Woman, which was a wonderful show that we both adored, a British import starring Maggie Gyllenhaal, Um, but how this really felt fresh in a way because it felt so urgent because there was never there was nothing in its DNA that suggested it would go on. Um, And also, I felt confident enough in the relative, you know, scarcity of true, true gems to make the uh, viral goof, too many cooks, uh, my number 10 show of the year. (laughs) That's right. So that was I, a
1: very very Grantland of you. It's it, but it's also it's very
0: innocent time. Like I don't really know what I left off. You know what I mean? Like Veep and Game of Thrones are on my list and the Nick. Like it's fine. Any anyway, yeah. please continue.
1: No, I was just gonna say that uh the other thing I would mention, you know, looking at the list, the the sort of master lists of shows that are coming is uh a bunch of stuff that was slated to come out last year that got delayed by the pandemic for a variety of reasons, whether it was production shutdowns or just um pipeline slowdowns mm-hmm. with the networks themselves and not, not
0: not supply chain stuff right like not, not, not the same reason stuff. why i can't get like a three a four-year-old's bicycle that's that's not why we don't have fx is the old man yet right
1: right no that was and that's on this list and we'll talk about that the other thing is you know we haven't really done like a, a straight up like streaming wars discussion in a long time
0: people love and, those
1: I think the thing that I noticed looking at this master list before we start getting into the actual shows was Apple's coming, and you know for the last couple of years, it's not like Apple has been like like playing their (laughs) cards because they're close to the vest. They made Foundation, they made you know some pretty big swings, and they have invasion shrink next door. Yeah, and they have a huge hit with Ted Lasso, and 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 uh, they have shows that lots of people like a lot. Like I I I'm a fan of Servant. I'm a little bit behind on it, but. I was just looking at Steven Soderbergh's end of the year media diary, and he he's cranking on Servant, um, which made me want to get back into it. But that the amount of stuff coming on Apple this year that I think is going to demand attention really caught my eye. Um, you know, I I think that that's going to be something to reckon with this year. Side note:
0: One thing that got a lot of burn in my house was the uh, Harry Potter reunion special on HBO Max, oh, yeah. and okay. um, I, I, I'm human. I definitely Googled, so what's up with Rupert Grint 2022? My guy's on Servant. (laughs) And I I say that not because I, I have any ill feelings towards him. He actually seems like a lovely guy. He just seemed so lovely and normal in this reunion. I was like, good on him. For taking his earnings and like buying a pub in Wales, you know, like I just thought right. that he quit the business, not because he could get a part, but he's just no man head to the head down just just doing supporting work. God supporting yeah, work if I remember servant.
1: correctly, he plays the like the like the brother who of like the main character who's like kind of like a little bit edgy and, <laughs> and drag, drags him into some stuff.
0: Can I can I just say, Chris, you 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 won't watch this, you never, never should. But there's an incredible, it's a lovely, beautifully produced special. It's mostly Helena Bonham Carter being nuts, and then like all the former children of the movie being like, it was lovely becoming a family, wasn't it? Yes, it was, wasn't it? Do you remember that? We were all a bit nervous, so we held hands, w- but just the fingertips. It was lovely, wasn't it? It so was lovely. And anyway, it it does seem lovely. And I'm like, shouts to David Heyman, the producer, and anyone else who managed to make this insane media colossus and everyone still be friendly to each other. But my main thing, Chris, and I'm sorry, just, you gave me an opening. I think I think this is relevant whether you know Harry Potter or you don't. Uh, I very, very firmly was in one camp and have been dragged yeah. into the other I lost very you. recently. <laughs> yeah. um, is that the degree to which these movies hang on the let's be honest, very raw performances of children for like the first five of them. And then they did strike gold. Those kids turned out to be very good and it was fine. But these children carry the movies and around them, it's just like Hall of Fame night at the Old Vic.
1: Yeah. It's Rick fucking... Rickman, yeah. Maggie Smith,
0: um, Richard Harris replaced by Michael Gambon and then Gary Oldman and David Thewlis show up midway through. Like... It is so outrageous and Robbie Cochran and then like on day one, they're like, okay, so what you're doing is turning into a cat and then scolding these children. Maggie Smith is, and you wonder why Maggie Smith didn't come to the reunion, you know what I mean? (laughs)
1: It's (laughs) amazing, uh, but it it all worked. Did uh, Thulis show up to the reunion?
0: Thulis, did he show up to the reunion? He, I believe he does. He doesn't get much screen time. He, he. Okay. I think he does get interviewed once. Ian Hart, who played John Lennon in Backbeat
1: he's
0: kind of a working guy. he's credited in it, and then like he has one quote where he's just like that was a mad bit of fun, wasn't it, having Rafe or whatever <laughs> Timothy Spall, like the great genius yeah. of the Mike Lee films, you know, plays like this weird troglodyte who cuts off his own hand to bring Rafe Vines back to life. <laughs> just like you imagine being like you you. The third assistant to the Dark Lord who has no nose. Can, could you get me a coffee? You know, and meanwhile, Radda's like, can you can you get back now? We need to put on this production of Lear. It's so <laughs> fucking wild. It's great. They all seem to be having great fun. Great fun. I I, I recommend watching the part where... Um,
1: hey, did it, did it, but it, did it puncture any like suspension of disbelief for your kids?
0: Oh God, no, no, they love it. They okay. love it. it okay. It's just, it's just wonderful because I think the great earth gift for them was like, they all really like each other, you know, like that kind mm-hmm. of matters. And it's the way I feel about like the 2008 Phillies. Like I want to believe that, you know, Scott Eyre never brought up politics, you know, around Jimmy Rollins, <laughs> that they all probably just like just talked about throwing the old ball around the yard. Um, no, no, it's it, it's quite lovely. The, the highlight is definitely um, when Helena Bonham Carter shares the note that Daniel Radcliffe sent her at the end of filming number six, which is basically like I do fear I was born in the wrong time. Like, if only I were 10 years older, like, I could have asked you out.
1: And she's like, You're so sweet. (laughs) Dude. How did Radcliffe feel about getting put on Front Street?
0: Shoot your shot. You know what I mean? Shooters fucking shoot. Like, yeah. I I, I wonder if he'd seen
1: Fight Club by that point.
0: I, I, I was never. I wonder if he'd seen Room of the View. Let's run it back. Run back the tape. I'm just saying. I I was for, I, for, I was mixed on that dude. I was like, I don't know. Can he carry this franchise that I haven't seen? When I found out about that, I'm like, that guy's got killer instinct. That Wait, dude is 15. You,
1: when were you skeptical about Radcliffe? Like tw- when I saw ago? the first movie. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know about this. Gotta- uh, all right, let's get into lot. the most anticipated right. TV of 2022. Oh, did you want to say anything about Apple's rise uh, here, or you want to just just mix that it Apple with has a bunch talking. of.
0: That we are going to see this year in particular, um, I I don't know if this was a strategy, as you said at the beginning, um, the schedule of release things has really come from, it's COVID affected. So whatever Peacock or Apple was planning to do, if they had some grand strategy of how we're going to hook viewers, that was all thrown to bits. But um Last year peacock, we did peacocks yes. Peacock's like
1: hold me back. <laughs> like, <laughs> peacock's like Tyler Hero going after Yusuf Nurkic. They're like, We got it. <laughs> next year when I come back with all my shows. It's
0: <laughs> Peacock as Tyler Hero is amazing. I think I think that's right. <laughs> People are like, maybe he's great. <laughs> Which, we'll see. But we'll keep it at a distance from now. No, I mean we've talked about the Peacock thing before. We're like, I am actually I mean I've been in business with them so take this with whatever salt is necessary but like um they of the streamers seem to be at least in terms of the moves that are being made you know that are announced in the trades like they're in the position of any of them the most like AMC when AMC was like I don't know I guess we'll try this in yeah. a good way like they're they're doing that great project with Ryan Johnson and Natasha Leone that's kind of like a modern day Colombo they're doing um and they the also Dame- have
1: old they have actual Columbo so you can just watch And they that have actual too. Columbo which is smart but, yeah.
0: but they also have the new Damon Lindelof show which is exciting and you know we can't wait to even find out what it's about. Um, but Apple had some of its really big like we can pay for this so we will shows come already like Foundation and Invasion but this is the year we're going to get interesting things like Severance which is a really interesting mm-hmm. kind of a quirky drama project that Ben Stiller is directing and show running the first season amazing cast good scripts like it. it, it could be something really special and it's and it's not like things on other networks. So it will, I think that people who have considered Apple as big stuff, Ted Lasso, Tom Hanks movies, this might be the year where you start to be like, oh, there's series on here too that I'm interested in, which yes. makes, makes you know, who has time for all these things, but it does make for an interesting landscape.
1: So let's start with the blockbusters. Let's start with the biggest shows. Now, I like I said, this is by no means a comprehensive or definitive list of everything that's coming out next year. It's really stuff that grabbed this, our interest. This year, too. buddy. This year. We're here. Oh, sorry. The future is coming out this year. Uh it's just stuff that, you know, grabbed our interest as we were perusing this list. So the blockbusters, the ones that I think are gonna be they have the potential at least to be like pretty huge cultural events. And I you know, I have a couple of of, of questions about some of these things, but let's go with Lord of the Rings, which will be on Amazon. But I think is they're aiming for September with that. Mm-hmm. Uh House of the Dragon on HBO. I'm not sure when that's coming out when did game of thrones used to drop june
0: um yeah and then i did it shift did it shift to late in the year for its last season i feel like it did yeah i think it went later
1: but i remember memorial days or like kind of like like they would take a week off sometimes because there was a summer holiday
0: yeah yeah we were like when we were shooting the hbo show we were it was the summer
1: Mm -hmm. okay so then uh house of the dragon obviously a a game of thrones spinoff Stranger things um not sure when that's coming out, but I believe it's the spring uh I threw Halo on here because I have gotten a couple of messages on social media of people being like, yo, like Halo has a lot of fans and mm-hmm. I know that it's kind of uh you know it looks like a blockbuster movie and I, I think it has the potential to be pretty interesting. I mean, you and I play a lot of Halo. I don't know if I needed it explained to me anymore, but I really like I, Pablo Schreiber and Bakeem Woodbine, so I'm kind of curious to watch this.
0: Can you help me draft the group email that we'll send to our wives explaining why we have to play Halo <laughs> For this summer? Just like to, to cover this correctly? You know, like, <laughs> please, please, sir, give me leave to go to a Ring World. And- Fight the, um, it, it looks, it looks, I, I think that is really, I'm glad you put it on there. I think it, it's fascinating. It looks kind of cool. A friend who worked on it has said really positive things about the experience. So who knows?
1: Um, and that's on Paramount Plus. So, uh, that will be on the streamer and, you know, Paramount Plus has kind of shown that it, I mean, 1883 had like a huge, a huge, uh, debut and I think it still has retained its audience. Mayor of Kingstown's doing very well. It, it's Obviously, really
0: interesting to me. Yellowstone's because,
1: on, on, a, on, a, on the uh, actual network and then it streams on Peacock, amazingly enough. But I think that there is an audience there that might be ready f- to watch Halo on Paramount+. Tyler Plus.
0: Hero just connected. He just connected <laughs> with a roundhouse. He didn't know he had it in him. Um, it's pretty interesting uh, that point that Paramount is succeeding and succeeding with new scripted programming. That they're mm-hmm. it, Last year, the executives behind two of the major uh, services Made really big bets, and the paramount bet, the Bob Bakish bet, was um, Sheridan. All in on the Sheridan verse, and we have to avenge this catastrophic self own by when we sold our number one show to our rival for streaming. And it seems to be working, and it seems to be getting numbers and driving subscriptions in a very old-fashioned way.
1: This subscriber is satisfied with that decision, (laughs) right?
0: Um, The other move. Was the HBO Max move co- very controversial? Move by Jason Kilar at the end of 2020 to push all their movies onto the service, sure. and it worked. Now, yeah, uh, Christopher Nolan is making a movie for Universal now and is doing nothing but it, which is hard to do with both of his hands still behind his back, flashing double middle fingers at uh, Kilar and all of his former homies at Warner Brothers. But unquestionably, it worked. They they released their subscriber stuff. Um, just this week, and the numbers were much higher than analysts expected. HBO Max, did he did the thing to make them relevant. And, you know, you can debate whether, cinematically, what that means, but it worked. It made them a player, and then the HBO content shored them up, and they're a real service now.
1: Uh, The next two blockbusters that I had in this list were Obi-Wan and the third season of The Mandalorian. Um, I also wanted to mention, there are no Star Wars movies scheduled to come out this year. Or next year, right? Yeah. I mean, this is, it, it's kind of amazing. I, I don't know if there's any other sort of signal flare more strongly lighting up the sky than the fact that all the Star Wars stuff is happening on the streamer and that it's it's Obi-Wan and Mandalorian and later in the, like, I don't know when, but uh, Andor, the Tony Gilroy Rogue One spinoff and mm-hmm. Acolyte, which we were really excited about.
0: That's the first fully original Um as mm-hmm. in, not based on previously existing characters. Uh, well, I guess Mandalorian kind of is that too. But the, anyway, it's it's Leslie Hedland um, yeah. writing and directing an original Star Wars based story.
1: But yeah, think, it's interesting. I think Mandalorian I mean, and Obi Wan are the big ones. It, it's
0: worth saying that um, the Disney, you talked at the beginning about the development grids that all the studios have. They are, for as much as TV has changed, relatively unchanged from five years ago, from 10 years ago, where there's always a ton of stuff in development. They're always looking for people, moving stuff around, things, odds of things going rise and fall, depending on who's in charge and who's cast, et cetera, et cetera. The thing that has radically changed is the Disney uh, factory. They don't share this information, but right. Star Wars and Marvel have so many projects in development at any given time. And so many of them will happen, and they are made in a way that is so bizarre to anyone who's worked in TV before. Um, and I think, I think this is the year where the the veil is going to be dropped a little bit, or the, the lid is going to come off a little bit more on on how these sausages get made, especially when you see the casings and the weird fillings as much as you did. In so, what do you like mean Hawkeye. by that?
1: Do you mean like technologically where they shoot this stuff against no, a, a, I, I mean
0: beach green screen, or like look, we we had Malcolm Spellman on the show, um, mm-hmm. and he was oh, the right. And, and he he's was like, he was I don't sh-
1: know how this is ending or something like that, right?
0: Well, more yes, but specifically, I mean, first of all, when Marvel TV launched this version of Marvel TV, not the Jeff Loeb version that did the Netflix shows, um, when it was Kevin Feige's Marvel Studios, um, they fought the idea of showrunners. They were like, that's not how we do things. Everything here is more collaborative right. and more company based. I think that they've they've eased up on that a little bit. But Malcolm Spellman ran and and wrote talking to Winter Soldier and seems to have had a really good experience. He was very positive talking about it with us and then was later officially hired to write the new movie. Um, but he talked to us about how, in addition to his writers, he had two Marvel execs in the room. And he liked them. And he, was, he says he was grateful for them. But that's true of all their shows. They have company execs in the room being like, listen, we, we really like the idea of there being a deaf character named Echo. Do you know her? She should be in right. this show. And they're like, I'm sorry? Like, she should be a major part of this show. Don't you think? And they'll be like, okay. And they'll write it. And they'll be like, because we're doing a spinoff. And also, also, I, I want to say magic. Can there be magic in the show? Like, th- there is that happening. And I think mm-hmm. the very best people can, you know, I think it can be positive. It can be collaborative. You know, it's a very deep universe. And it's fun. People genuinely love that all this stuff is piggybacking and interlocking. But um, it's just a very, very different development process, I think, than what the town let alone the creative people are used to and i very curious i I guess i'm i'm curious creatively what will come from it but i also wanted to mention it because that pipeline is rich and full and is not stopping like you said like there's no disney there's no star wars movie on the calendar I, i i would imagine that in the in their offices they have their tv shows through what 2023 plus ones they don't even know about yet I mean, at least. 2024. I mean, I
1: think that the other, you know, you mentioned about, like, you, you know... By the way, I said 2023
0: because I thought it was 2020 for a second.
1: <laughs> I meant 2025. Jesus. It's been a fun you time. The, the Acolyte being this original story, and I, I think that the one of the things that give Obi-Wan and Mandalorian so much weight is their connection to the original trilogy. So, it'll be... Um, Fascinating to see the, the sort of different... I mean, I suppose Boba does too. And Boba Fett, I think, has been received well, if like a little bit more muted so far. Uh, the last one I have in blockbusters is the one that I am most uh, looking forward to. I've talked about it a little bit before. It's called Masters of the Air. It's from Playtone, who did... It's Tom Hanks' uh, production company, and they did Band of Brothers in the Pacific. This is about air battles over Europe. Uh, it stars Barry Keegan and Finno Shay and Callum Turner. And Kerry Fukunaga directed several episodes, but also D. Reese and Tim Van Patten and uh, Ryan Bowden and Anna Flack worked on it. I just, I'm not a complicated person. I can't wait to see this.
0: When you say Playtone, that's the company founded by Tom Hanks and Gary Getzman, the inspiration for the blockbuster film Licorice Pizza. A movie. Blockbuster. A movie that some people really love, right? That that's that's Gary Getzman. That's the real. Do you want to
1: just do it? Why? I now we're like in you, the middle of it. You, you,
0: I, just, I just no, get but spicy. you know, like you,
1: you know, like, hey. you, like like on Monday you were just like like got to get my liquor's pizza takes off. I thought we were talking about movies
0: today, but look, you want it? You, you want to, You want to delve into the Masters of the Air? I I, I want it before we move on. I one thing about this li- this part of the list we'll get to it that I want to say is um yeah I I the Boba Fett was a emotional stress test for me in that like. No, I guess I was cool with my action figure. Like it just doesn't. The show could be good, sure. but I am not like in the tank for it to a degree that I thought I would be. Obi Wan might. I mean, you and McGregor as Obi Wan. That I, I I might have feelings about that. I might like that show, regardless of whether it's good or not. That's that's in that zone for me. It might be,
1: it might not be. That's your that's your waterbed. Yeah.
0: Oh, because uh, because Gary Valentine, the fifteen year old ne'er do well, star of Paul Thomas Anderson's. Film, Licorice Pizza, uh, sells waterbeds.
1: That's right. Of all of these shows... Oh, I have one more I threw in in blockbusters, by the way. I don't know whether it's going to be a blockbuster, but I think it has blockbuster potential, and it's the one that's not, like, huge franchise uh, fodder, is Winning Time, the Lakers show on HBO. Oh, yeah. Did we talk about that trailer? That's fun. We talked about it. I mean, I, I think we talked about it in that, like... I was skeptical about this and it turns out this is exactly what I think it should look and feel like and I can't wait to watch it. I do think that this has the potential to be a massive show if they if they do it right and the audience is there for it. I guess that's every show if they do no, it. No, right but the, ca- the, the casting audience.
0: looks amazing. The vibe and tone are not what I was expecting. It just seems like it's super... It, it looks like Boogie Nights. I mean, it, it's, it's fun. It's period. It does not seem to be taking itself too seriously. I... I, I don't think I'm ready to give up on the fact that we were so close, so close to having an HBO show called Showtime, which yes, I know I love so much. And it sent me down a rabbit hole of wondering if like petulantly AMC will put into development a reboot of the Brian Brown, Brian Dennehy 80s thriller FX. So they oh, can th- yeah. or, or or that like if CBS then in retaliation rebooted all my children, but they called it AMC. Uh huh. Right. Just the initials. Like, like I, I have nowhere else to go with this, but I, am I feel like there's something here.
1: Don't ever let it be said that you're not engaged with this medium anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I, these charticle ideas are free. They're free.
1: Um, you want to know? We we all have to often talk about that the reason why so much stuff gets regurgitated in Hollywood these days is because there's like an audience familiarity with with the past with with these characters or stories that yeah. they're already familiar with can i let you in on a little secret Please? a lot of people know and care about the lakers <laughs> mm.
0: like, yes, that's like, true
1: in some ways they're our own star wars <laughs> being played out it's beautifully so said I, like the the audience awareness of magic fucking johnson is pretty high so i i would be i would, wouldn't be surprised if this is like a giant giant success this episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. One thing you don't have to worry about cleaning up this spring season, your wireless bill. Just switch to Mint Mobile. It's easy. And right now, they have unlimited talk, text, and data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com watch. That's mintmobile.com slash watch. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month for first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
2: This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com.
1: Let's move on into another category. I have here the returning champs. We'll talk about probably all of these shows at various points over the course of the year. um, But these are the shows that are coming back. You know, oftentimes multi-season shows kind of get brushed aside for their um, dependability. I just did that to succession, I think, on my 10 best list where I was like, why would I reward this for just being excellent again? Um, But... I will say that uh, a couple of these are my most anticipated shows of the year, full stop. That's Better Call Saul and Atlanta, which I think are in kind of like a class of their own. And then Killing Eve, Ted Lasso, Hacks, Russian Doll, Ozark, and Barry are all coming back. Of this group, what's the one that, that tickles your fancy the most?
0: I, I Better Call Saul. I yeah. just had a... It, it just came into my mind again last week, and I miss it so much. I... This is... I don't, this is completely unscientific. It feels like this is the longest we've been out of Albuquerque since Breaking Bad started because Better Call Saul premiered pretty soon after that finale. Yes,
1: and it was a pretty Um, regular every year show, right?
0: Yeah, and then then we even had the movie um, in the middle of Better Call Saul last time. And so it's been a minute and you cannot get that fix Anywhere else, especially as TV has moved towards more of this, you know, uh, one-off limited series event, series types of things. So realizing that we're returning to a canvas where the masterpiece has already been mostly painted is really kind of thrilling, really exciting. And then the wild card, I mean, you know, Atlanta's been the best show of on TV every year it's been on. And it's been an absurd amount of time, three three years plus. Yeah, But also... What makes it special is how different it is from episode to episode, let alone season to season. So I can't wait for what it is, but I'm open-minded. The thing that um, in that list that I really just wanted to circle is Barry. Mm -hmm. Barry has been gone for a fucking long time. Barry is, I don't know whether it's spoiler-proof or, like, people from Dumois aren't, you know, stalking Henry Winkler to, like, let us know about script leaks.
1: I have no idea what's happening on Barry.
0: Very... No, and it left us in an extremely tense place. And the thing about that show that's so interesting to me is that even after it won all those Emmys and we raved about it, we had, we had Bill and Henry on our podcast and I still am surprised how good it is. There's something about it that is so unconventional, right? That it doesn't, it, it still surprises. Like when I think about it, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, it was fun. No, it wasn't funny. It was harrowing. You know, it was pretty yeah. incredible. and So I think weirdly where a show like Succession had a long break and its star only rose, I feel like Barry's, it hasn't dimmed, but I think people have forgotten. I, I just feel like it is so under the radar again that it'll be really, really interesting to see what happens when it comes back.
1: You know, I think that um, your description of how, like we have no idea what Barry will be like, I have that same feeling with Russian Doll. I, I just really... Oh, yeah. I have a lot of, um, I have really high expectations for that show, but I don't expect it to be a retread of its first season. And I don't think that there's any need to, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I think it told a very, very tight and it resolves a lot of things with that first season, but I'm so excited that they're not done with it.
0: Yeah, that that is the most dangerous of games other than, like, what what is the most dangerous game? Hunting humans. But so the second most dangerous game is taking a show that is settled business, like, Everyone loved it. Everyone would have wanted more. But also if there weren't more Russian dolls, would there have been an uproar? No, right. it 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 did it. So that's that's risky. It's exciting.
1: Uh we'll probably be talking about Ozark in the coming weeks when it comes back. Um Ted Lasso, I don't know when that's coming on. Hacks, I can't wait for season two. Um and Killing Eve is a show that I admittedly like kind of just dropped off my radar after yeah. I felt like season two sort of didn't didn't live up to my expectations. There's a group of shows coming out that all I mean, I don't know if they're all going to make it out next this year, but they're all kind of circling the same rise and fall of a tech company. So I thought I would mention them because th- this is obviously a story that's very attractive to Hollywood right now. Um, there's Super Pumped, which comes from David Levine and Brian Koppelman and stars Joseph Gordon Levitt, Kyle Chandler, and Uma Thurman. And that's about the rise and I mean I wouldn't say the fall of Uber because Uber's still obviously going pretty strong, but like the rise and fall of Travis Kalnick. Um We crashed, which I don't know if this is actually coming out this year, but it's definitely like listed as it, which is Jared Leto and Anne Hathaway I in think the, it's a out. WeWork story. And mm-hmm. then the dropout, which is definitely coming out. And that's a, Amanda Sefried, uh in Liz Merriweather's Elizabeth Holmes story. And Elizabeth Holmes, obviously. In the Liz news. Merriweather
0: and Liz Hannah, three Liz's. Liz Hannah, That's right. In the mix.
1: So of these three, I think I'm 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 most keyed in to the dropout. Although I'm I'm excited to see super pumped. I think I'm a big Levine and fan, obviously. And Brian, we've done pods with Brian and stuff. Which one are you kind of interested in here?
0: Well, so it's interesting. On the face of them, these are not things that I'm particularly interested in. Like I I've right. I I've I I am interested first and foremost, I guess, industry wise. Like you said this at the beginning, this is a genre. That the town went crazy for. Like, can we get a yes. podcast? Can we get a magazine article about a scandalous thing f- ripped from the headlines? Another show coming this year in a similar vein is the Shonda Rhimes produced show about the con artist in New York, mm-hmm. starring. Inventing um, Anna. Yeah. Yes, starring um, Julia Garner. Julia Garner. Which is, yeah. which is who is in Ozark and is, is amazing. Um, these, when you talk about things in development, this was a way to jump the line in development, right? Like, remember briefly, there was a period where there were a lot of fictional Tiger King shows in development and racing yeah. against each other. And then one, that'll also be coming this year, the one that um, uh, Universal UCP made for Peacock that that has Kate McKinnon. Yeah, Kate, Kate and, McKinnon, yeah. Who dropped out of the dropout to do Tiger King. She was originally mm. playing Elizabeth Holmes in that. So, because, and then that's the third piece of it, which is, of those projects, I think koppelman Levine like, this is a great fit for them. They're so, they're such pros and they're so good at knowing their strengths and abilities and interests and this just feels like a great marriage. So, if I had to bet on the one that was um, just going to work, it would be that one. The other two are really interesting to me because um, uh, I think Eisenberg and Stupnitsky who did, um, worked on The Office and there's done a lot of comedies, I think they did the, um, we crash show, which is interesting. It's coming from a comedic perspective. And then with the, um, with the third one, that's a really interesting marriage to me. So it's Liz Merriweather who did new girl and is a great television comedy writer and film. And Liz Hannah, friend of the pod who has more dramatic leanings, um, and is making her own show now called girl from Plainville. Um, and it was going to start Kate McKinnon and then it started Amanda Seyfried. That's fascinating yeah. to me.
1: But it's Amanda Seyfried coming off like the best performance of her career. Like, Absolutely. So it's like, yeah. it's it's kind of this amazing uh, meeting point. So yeah, I'm, I'm probably most into the dropout, but I'm excited for Super Pumped as well. I have a category here for us called Award Bait, which is, mm. you know, I mean, you could say that some of the blockbusters will be in Award Bait. I'm sure some of the returning champs will be up for awards. And I didn't even mention in the returning champs that I suppose there's a, decent enough chance that we do get a succession season this year? Do you think that that's possible?
0: Um, It's January. I mean, I guess so. It's funny. Like, it's been so long of this pandemic schedule that it's, you almost forget that even prestige luxury television worked on a yearly schedule before, you know? Right. It wasn't all that common to take breaks that extended a year. When we talked to Jesse in December, he He's didn't like, let I out have I have mean, the
1: idea, right? But I but, don't. But know. But it didn't sound
0: like the room was going in earnest. My my yeah. ima- I, If I imagine the room is going in earnest now, then yeah, we could see Succession again by the at the end of the year. It could happen,
1: right? Um, so anyway, the award bait ones. I mean, like I have Under the Banner of Heaven, which is on FX, and it's Dun- Dustin Lance Black's adaptation of the John Krakauer book about a murder in a morbid community, and that and stars Andrew Garfield. And then I have Sam Show Gaslit which is here because I'm very interested in it. And it's about the Watergate break-in. It's based off the Slow Burn podcast and stars Julia fucking Roberts and Sean Penn. And, and I have the off. And yeah.
0: Briar Patch's Brian Garrity and Legion's Dan Stevens and Betty Gilpin. I mean, it is stacked. Stacked
1: yeah. cast. And then I also have the offer, which is, also on Paramount, and is, I think, a limited series about the making of The Godfather, which stars Miles Teller. But I'm like, if this goes right, Dexter Fletcher is directing it. It's written by uh, Michael Tolkien, who wrote The Player, which gives me a lot of hope because The Player is such an amazing portrait of Hollywood in the first place. The making of The Godfather is a fucking incredible story. If they pull it off, I, I'm, I'm really, really, really excited for this.
0: What is your favorite project that Army Hammer had to drop out of in Disgrace. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's on your punch card? Like, what's your number one? Is it this? Or is it the um, the, taika, the Taika soccer movie? There's a lot. The
1: Taika soccer movie, they're just reshooting with Will Arnett, right?
0: Which the they role. should do for a lot of things. That sounds like an still amazing in choice.
1: De- he, I think he's still in Death on the Nile.
0: He is. He right. is. He's not in the... He was doing a Jennifer Lopez movie. Right. Uh, that was the first... For what it's worth, I um, yesterday I was like, because you know, Chris, like I, I'm doing my best. I'm still maintaining my Twitter blackout. I'm not really looking at the news. But I'm still a curious guy. And I like to I, send
1: you things. I like to send you, you updates send me on things, what, and I, what Kathy and I Hochul and, and, and Eric Adams are doing. Yeah, Chris
0: is, you know the way like chocoholics love chocolate? Chris is like a chocoholic, but for New York politics. Like Chris fucking loves it. Ever since the Tammany Hall machine, you know what I mean? Like, Chris is just, is that Boston? Anyway, doesn't matter. Chris. It's New York. It's New York, right. What am I thinking of? Doesn't matter. You finger on the pulse. You want to know if and when you go back, you can get a to-go cocktail. Yeah. You want to know that if you ever uproot your life, have children, wait for those children to become (laughs) school age and want to go to school during a pandemic, you want a new mayor who's just like, stop whining. He didn't
1: say stop
0: why. Get over it. Stop the hysteria.
1: He was wearing a hype Eric Adams yeah. was wearing a hype beast crew neck sweatshirt oh. that said vaccines on it, and was like just given right. a state of the city. It was just it was amazing also, content.
0: My 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 move for this year is to just be as uh, uh residents curious as Eric Adams. Like I don't know if people who not from New York like know this, but like no one really knows where he lives. It's kind of cool. In that sense, <laughs> he's like Batman. You know what I mean? Like, no one's really, really, really sure where he lives, and it might not be New York. But now he's the mayor. I did want to just circle back to Chris just to say that, yes, I'm avoiding a lot of news and things, but yesterday I, I still get the Hollywood Reporter emails. And in the emails, it was like, Army Hammer being recast by Will Arnett in this, but he's still in the Kenneth Branagh movie. And I was like, hmm, hmm. Whatever happened to that charming Aryan lug, Army Hammer? A Google, Google. I wish you could have seen the meme that my face did as I read the year-old Vanity Fair story. Did you Vanity think Fair that he story. was just
1: being recast because he couldn't make reshoots?
0: No, I knew that there was something. You know, right. there's always right. a little little something. But I didn't know the extent of it because also the Vanity Fair piece was just like Army Hammer's troubles in sex in texting cannibalistic sex desires to young women. Really begins with his great-grandfather Julius performing an illegal abortion in the Bronx in 1912. What?
1: <laughs> what? It's
0: like yeah, Devil Man. in the White
1: City. Jesus. It was
0: it is a listen. Listen, who's gonna play Army Hammer in Paramount Plus's miniseries based on the Vanity Fair article about the Hammer family? And it's gonna be called Hammered. That's a free idea. That's a free idea. If you made it this far, why don't in the podcast, you just go back welcome. to
1: blogging if it's, if that's what you want to do? Uh, the next group of shows that I have here are Superheroes in Outer Space. Um, right. That is, you know, we mentioned Andor and Acolyte. Not sure if uh, Acolyte's coming this year, but Andor, I believe, is. And then uh, I have The Boys on Amazon, a trio of Disney shows, Moon Knight, Secret Invasion, and She Hulk, all MCU shows, and Peacemaker, which is on HBO Max and is a spinoff of Suicide Squad, starring John Cena. You know what's funny when you do this list and you have the master list and you're like fucking Master of the Air, Atlanta, Better Call Saul. Yeah. You know, like you're like the shows. Then it's like the the Marvel shows seem small. Like they almost seem like they're back in the nerd cabinet. And I know we're going to get to the end of the year and there's a pretty good chance that these Marvel shows and these Disney shows will just be like the biggest thing on TV and everything else will pale in comparison. But I will say... The offering this year—it's kind of weird. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of a weird collection of weird shows. I—I I think Secret Invasion is going to be take a little bit of explaining to people. I think She-Hulk, the way they've envisioned it as like a courtroom dramedy, is—is yeah. a—is a choice. Ms. Marvel, uh, not a new. The more I read about Moon Knight, I'm like weird guy.
0: <laughs> super weird, super weird. And Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke. Yeah, I I hear your point and I agree with you. But I will say that um, recent history has proven that for whatever reason, maybe it's the just inherent kind of humility of the medium, even though it is now dominant. TV collectively, culturally seems to be having less of an existential crisis about what are we and what is good and what do people watch and how do we reward it than films are still having. Like those spasms are still going on and you know there's there's already a debate about whether the Spider-Man movie should be nominated for best picture. It's like yeah, it fucking should. It was great and people liked it. Relax. You know what I mean? Just relax. You're not picking a new pope. Just let Tom <laughs> Holland come to the ceremony. It if you have if you're lucky enough to have a ceremony. You know what I mean? <laughs> Right. So like it's cool. I know it's weird that Spider-Man No Way Home will be competing against Maggie The Lost Daughter, but it's like, you—that's movies, man. That's fine. But TV, even last year, like WandaVision got a ton of Emmy nominations, and it, I think, appropriately considering the competition, didn't win. But TV does not seem to be sweating it yet in to that sure. same degree. You know what I mean? Like I, I, yeah, I, yeah, Ethan Hawke, Good Lord Bird last year, Moon Knight this year, no problem. It it all seems. Right. Maybe it's because you're not buying a ticket, but people seem to be able to more easily hold in their minds the idea that tonight is a She-Hulk kind of night, and tomorrow night might be. Um, it's, I, what, I, I don't even know where to go with the good fight. Tonight what, what, is a
1: She-Hulk kind of night.
0: That that by the way that that's pillow talk. That is that's a romantic right. thing.
1: Baby, do you want to watch She-Hulk?
0: <laughs> it's a it's a She-Hulk kind of night. Hate the uh, town green. I'm
1: most looking forward to uh, Moon Knight here. Uh, I, I will obviously like what lo- I can't wait to watch The Boys. The Boys also seems like the show that can most easily expand and become like multiple shows because I don't have a it, pre-existing relationship with those characters. So oh, I'm like, if you guys want to make it. A-
0: it is. <laughs> they do. Yeah. There, there are many spin-offs in development, but that is a that is a good example of 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 the TV bounty in a different direction, which is I really like the boys. I'm really excited to watch more seasons of it. That's fun. I have not thought about it for a moment since it ended last year, but that is not an indictment of the show. It'll be great fun to have it back.
1: Um, the next category I have here are uh, Crimes and Spies. Uh, this is also the Andy Greenwald and Chris Ryan uh, yeah, should section. We take,
0: should we take a break for the next hour of the podcast? Is that...
1: <laughs> I Honestly, we don't even need to talk too much about these because we will probably talk about all of these shows in depth when they come out. The three shows I have here are Slow Horses, which is based on a novel, a series of books, actually, by a guy named Mick Herron, who is a uh, British spy novelist. It's about the office in London where they put disgraced spies who are trying to uh, work their way back into the good graces of MI5. And it stars Gary fucking Oldman along with uh, Olivia Cook and Jack Loudon and Kristen Scott Thomas and Jonathan Price. This book, Slow Horses, rules. And uh, this is delayed. This was supposed to come out last year. I cannot wait for this. This is coming out on Apple. So Slow Horses I, is my number one here.
0: I'm so excited about that. I learned about this from this document you shared with me. I also want to just, um, you know, for the for the real real heads, just make a quick, quick circle back to the Harry Potter reunion and say, I don't know if <laughs> any living actor is more different on screen and off than Gary Oldman. Because I mean, he sounds like a, a kind of a weirdo and maybe challenging in some ways in, in person over this long career, but you know you see him in 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 Mank or you see uh-huh. him uh, in maybe this show you know and he's he's he's, he's steely he's controlled he's he's so charismatic um, in the Harry Potter thing he just looks like a kindly uncle that got lost getting off the number seven bus and he's like Daniel Daniel we we did have a we did have a nice time didn't we now were, were we magicians. Oh, is <laughs> right, right? We cast spells and all of that, and I felt that I ought to ought to be looking after you a bit. But it was a good laugh, wasn't Daniel, it? Daniel, have you seen my film,
1: The Professional?
0: <laughs> so, I mean, right? Do you know Sid and Nancy? That was the, well. the last
1: time Daniel Gary Oldman probably worked with children. Is The Professional?
0: I <laughs> think legally, yes, that was the last time he was allowed to work. Which no, um, it, it, it's 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 a hoot.
1: The two other shows that I have in here is Tokyo Vice, which is on HBO Max. I still can't believe this is real. This is Michael Mann's Japanese noir show. Uh, Destin Daniel Cretton also directed episodes in this show, and it stars uh, Ken Watanabe and and Ansel Elgort. Um, I think that's coming in the spring. So shout out to me. Is this the
0: year you and Elgort finally squash the beef? I don't
1: know, man. I don't know. It really. Dep- I, I, I. 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 I thought I was gonna have to reckon with that with West Side, but it just kind of. It kind of came and went. Uh, Whoa. The last show,
0: shots fired, what? which by the way is how I, West Side Story ends. <laughs> you were basically like, I was spoiler. going to. Spoiler alert. I was going to reckon with this guy who I am been beefing with for. You know I think that he's
1: got a lot more going on than just like our like old beef that was like a joke on Twitter a while ago.
0: I think the beef was settled until you were just like, I don't need to engage with the West Side Story because the marketplace already spoke to that. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing.
1: Um, The last one is uh, The Old Man, which is on FX and is a show uh, based on a Thomas Perry novel starring Jeff Bridges and John Lithgow. Uh, about uh, a spy, an old spy who's living off the grid who gets pulled back into action. This was delayed, I think, not only because of COVID, but because of Jess Bridges' uh, cancer diagnosis. Um, But it looks like they are going to get this up uh, this year. And this is one of my most uh, anticipated shows of the year.
0: Yeah, every so often you get a combination of talent and network and project where it's like, we're going to be watching it. We're going to be watching it. I mean, I think that obviously we ended up being so so deep in the tank from Mare we still haven't come up for air, but like on, on the page, we knew that we were going to be watching that show just because of the, the resumes of those involved in the subject matter. This is like that.
1: So the next category I have here, we got to breeze through some of these a little faster. Um, I have super showrunners slash directors. So these are showrunners that you and I either are very interested in or we, it's exciting that they have a new project or directors who are making the, Uh, the move to the small screen so obviously The Last of Us also has Blockbuster Prudential that comes from the Chernobyl uh, guys Craig Mazin and and stars Pedro Pascal based on the video game I'm very excited for this I have not watched Chernobyl yet I know Um, (laughs) uh, some other ones here Pistol which is Danny Boyle's Sex Pistol show that's going to be on FX Pachinko which comes from Sue Hugh who did uh, I believe the the Terror and Mm -hmm. is directed by Kaganda um, or at least some of it is very excited about that disclaimer, which is just Alfonso Cuaron has a Apple TV show with Kevin okay. Klein and Kate Blanchett. Okay, twenty twenty two. Alfonso uh, Cuaron in the in,
0: in the Harry Potter reunion thing. Did you know that he directed? I did third not. Film. I assumed yeah. he was. Yeah. yeah, yeah
1: uh, Ripley, which is from Steve's Alien a- adaptation of Patricia Highsmith's uh, famous novels, stars Andrew Scott Sign The me hot up priest and Roar, which is from Liz Flay, and Carly. Mention it's the new anthology series. From the glow creators and is a described as quote an anthology um of darkly comic feminist fables, but this stars Nicole Kidman, Cynthia Revo, and Merritt Weaver and Allison Bree. Uh that's a great so,
0: cast. I'm happy, I'm so happy for Liz and Carly, who are lovely people, veterans for this podcast. Still mad about Glow. Still, mad, still about mad about it.
1: Glow. Yeah.
0: Glow was great. There should be more glow. Netflix, you really screwed that up.
1: You screwed that up, man. Any of the other ones here that you're like, I I can't, I, I gotta see this.
0: I am. I mean, as written. No, I mean, a Quaron show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this just sounds, this is, I'm glad we're doing this now. So early in the year, because as you said, well, you you did it alone last year. And frankly, I, I fought for that to be a continuing tradition, (laughs) but here I am somehow. Um, I, I love the depth and breadth of this list and also how spe- hyper-specific some things are, like whether they're you know properties we already know or returning shows, but also how vague a lot of those last few shows are. We have no idea. It can be yeah. great when big talent comes to the small screen or make anthology shows. It can be a total miss. We have no idea. But also, the subtext of this entire podcast, to me, is what you said at the beginning. We didn't know It's a Sin was coming. We did didn't know station 11 was coming we weren't checking for it it probably wasn't on your i don't know if it was on your list last year Um, i can't
1: remember but i don't think i had any idea it was going to be what it was going to be yeah
0: you you were also a little drunk let's be honest that's true (laughs) recording that podcast so um that's that's the beauty of it it is not like this is this is everything this is the broad skeletal uh, no these are just the things to keep an eye
1: on Yeah. yeah yeah uh greenwald great to see you Thanks, As always, to Kyle McMullen for producing. We'll be back on Monday. We're going to be talking about episodes eight and nine of Station 11. Um, and we have lots more to chat about. So, I, I we're going to talk
0: about some of these Oscar movie screeners. We're going to get to it on Monday. Um, and also, we i won't step on it, but Chris discovered a show that, that sounds like Columbus. This show exists, <laughs> but Chris like brought a show that people have really liked. All I care about attention. right now
1: is, is Southside. Yeah, that's the only show I care about
0: right now. Southside began on, H- on Comedy Central. It's now on HBO Max. It's the only good thing. Yeah. It's the best thing. I love it so much already. We we This isn't us talking about it. This is just us letting you know you can watch both seasons on HBO Max now, and you should, and we're going to get into it. We're going to talk yeah. about it because we love it.
1: Uh, all right, Andy, I'll see you on Monday.